This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. The Federal Reserve is using many of the tools it has in its bag to help keep the U.S. economy on a straight path. Last night, the central bank announced that it is backstopping the money market mutual fund market with a round of liquidity totaling $3.8 trillion. It is the third emergency program that the Fed has had to put into place. On Tuesday, it announced a $1 trillion special credit facility to purchase corporate paper or unsecured short-term lending. These moves coming on top of lowering interest rates twice in the last three weeks. Peter Conti-Brown is Assistant Professor of Legal Studies and Business Ethics here at the Wharton School. He joins me on the phone along with Yair Listikin, who is a law professor at Yale University who studies central banking law. Peter, Yair, thank you both for your time today, gentlemen. Thanks Great so much here. for having us. Thank you. I guess uh, let's start with your thoughts on what we are seeing with this economic decline right now and the moves that the Fed has made. Peter, start with you. You can't quite prepare for this. I mean, so much of the regulatory and legislative apparatus that was put in place after the last financial crisis was anticipating what you might call you know, once a decade, once a generation kinds of crises. And that's not this. We don't see once a decade or once a generation a screeching halt to all macroeconomic activity. And we don't know what will come from this. Right now, the markets are in complete turmoil. The Fed is trying to be nimble and creative in its approaches. Its balance sheet is exploding in size. Congress is doing the same. And so far, I would give everybody, Republicans, Democrats, and uh, the Fed, on the economic policy response, pretty high marks. They're trying to move fast. They're trying to be big. Uh, but the thing is, we just don't have quite have our hands around this thing right now. Yeah, here. Yes. Uh, uh, first of all, it's been dizzying. Second of all, I, I very much agree with Peter that, uh, that people have been moving quickly and that it's very hard to prepare for this. I think it's interesting how many of the Fed's programs are reviving programs that they used in, uh, you know, in the Great Recession, in the financial crisis. Uh, so while you can't prepare for it, there is a sense in which, uh, well, this kind of helped last time. Let's do that. Uh, let's do that again. And, uh, and I think you know, it's better than doing nothing. I most of all agree with Peter that this is just we're in uncharted territory here and uh, and avoiding uh, avoiding banking meltdown and financial financial sector meltdown is priority number one, at least on the uh, monetary side. But I I guess the the, the interesting point that's been brought up a couple of times, uh, Professor, is the fact that the economy as a whole was working from a better situation right now than obviously it probably was a decade ago. And, and, and the banks themselves are probably in a stronger position here. Yes. I, you know, I think we've probably never seen such a, uh, such a 60 to zero, basically just like jamming on the brakes, like we've seen here. And in part that, you know, just, no one's going to work. Uh, so it's good the banks start from a pretty healthy place. You know, they have high capital reserves, et cetera, et cetera. I guess we just don't know, you know, how bad it'll be uh, and for how long. And that's always scary because as much capital as a bank can have, they, uh, they, they don't have 100% capital. 
So, uh, so there's always there's always some risk. A bank uh, or other financial institution is inherently unstable. So, what else, Peter, w- would potentially be available to the Fed right now if they needed to make another move in, in another particular area? I think there are a whole variety of proposals that are floating around right now in some sort of, to put the Fed much more in a fiscal policy role. Um, there's certainly a lot of runway for the Fed to go in deciding to take up fiscal policy tools uh, that it didn't pick up during uh, during 08 and 09. Now, I'm myself extremely skeptical about the political utility of the Fed becoming a, a major fiscal policy maker. That said, the Fed can still provide huge back-end market liquidity for what Congress and the Treasury should do for fiscal policy. So, for example, um, one one approach could be that the Fed simply states that it is doing everything it can and, and, and it can do an awful lot and it will do a lot more to make sure that these vital markets are functioning well. Treasury markets are not functioning well right now. We see a, a uh, gigantic and very strange yield inversion that you would not want to see uh, with short-term uh, uh, treasuries being flooded and then at zero. But long-term and medium-term treasuries are, are inching ever higher. We shouldn't see that. We should see that the, that yield curve start to flatten in a time of crisis. Um, so the Fed can backstop treasury markets as first responsibility. It can go much more aggressively into commercial paper markets. It's already done in money markets, as it said it would do. Um, it has legal authority, non-emergency legal authority, to diversify its holdings of different kinds of government bonds to include uh, you know, uh, revenue bonds or even perhaps general obligation bonds of state and municipalities. Uh, and then it could also just announce saying, you know what, we're uh, making available, there's a trillion dollars readily available uh, for, uh, uh, for fiscal policy use. We will be entering into the secondary market to buy up these bonds. And then simultaneously in coordination with Treasury, Treasury says, and we are going to now allocate uh, these once this is, this is authorized by Congress uh, in any way Congress wants to do, and that slightly inverts the uh, the sequence of of events. Normally, what Congress does is says we'd like to spend this amount. Treasury then says, "All right, we have this much from taxes and other inflows, and then this much we'll finance by debt." But what we'll basically do is tell politicians, "You should go for boldly. Spending comes from Congress, but Fed will support it." And if we can get that kind of sequence right, that doesn't risk making Fed the fiscal policy maker. It keeps the Fed as the government's financier. Yeah, I hear your thoughts. And I'm with Peter that I am highly resistant to any program where the Fed is uh, unilaterally going ahead and sort of sending checks to everyone. That's the classic uh, helicopter money form. Or, uh, or even going ahead and just buying equities, which uh, a, the head of a regional Fed recently raises a possibility. It clearly requires some statutory changes. But more than that, I think we already have so much uh, power concentrated in the Fed that it's better to have other agencies or other parts of the government doing that. Uh, but so, so I would, I, I am not a fan of. Helicopter, unilateral helicopter money from the Fed. With that said, if the Treasury started uh, started running high deficits, let's say they're sending big checks 
to uh, to every American, yeah. and the Fed is buying a lot of bonds. Functionally, that is not all that different from uh, from pure helicopter money from the Fed. It has the advantage, though, as Peter indicated, that it's it's generated by uh, by the legislature. So uh, so the the, the the power is coming from from Congress rather than uh, rather than from this type of agency. I could imagine Congress uh, perhaps passing something else, some something along the lines of some sort of capital support. Right now, it's concentrated on individual industries like the airlines. But you yep. can imagine uh, Congress starting to buy up, uh, issuing money or issuing debt to start to buy up uh, index funds or something like that, just to just to support the market uh, in uh, in a time of panic. Well, and and that was one of the things. Actually, when I was watching some of the morning uh, business shows. Uh, Ray Dalio had done an interview uh, of Bridgewater, and he said that he he had an expectation that the Fed was probably going to have to be a buyer of extra U.S. debt moving forward. Yes, uh, buying uh, as a buyer of debt, you know, they're on firm firm legal ground, and like that's what the Fed does; they buy debt. Yeah. Where it gets tricky is where they're buying other types of debt. Uh, that's when they have to use their emergency authorities to, uh, like, for commercial paper, money market mutual funds, et cetera, et cetera. And equities, it's just not there. They've never done it before. There are other central banks that have. So the Bank of Japan owns a lot of equities. Uh, it creates all sorts of sticky problems that uh, I think the Fed is, uh, is well-equipped, on the one hand, from an expertise standpoint, to design a program – but there's all sorts of value trade-offs that I think that the Fed is not particularly well-equipped on in terms of buying equities, let's say. I, I think there was an expectation also here uh, of, as this started, and, and I remember hearing a story or two about this, of, of whether or not, because of how the coronavirus outbreak w- was developing, and because we knew that it was a, it was a global pandemic, even before it was officially designated as such, that maybe we would see more coordinated moves by central banks around the world. And, and, and it doesn't seem like we've seen that, at least to this point. We haven't seen that much. I mean, the, the big thing, I think, from the Fed perspective has been they've, they've reopened the swap line. So they're providing, you know, the dollar is the reserve currency globally. Uh, and in times of panic, people want to hold the reserve currency. The, uh, the the Fed has made dollars available to the European Central Bank, the Bank of Japan, the Bank of England under longstanding programs. And I think yesterday they expanded that to probably you know another 15 or so central banks. Right. So so that's one form of coordination. But in terms of like everyone lowering interest rates together or something like that, or announcing together regulatory forbearance, we just haven't seen that much. Peter, did yeah, go ahead, Peter. So, uh, that goes back to a long-standing tension in the, in the international coordination of central banking, where, from regulatory perspectives, uh, virtually all major central banks, major economies, want coordination so that we can avoid international arbitrage uh, and, and uh, flighty capital flows. But from a monetary policy perspective, it's you know kind of uh, every every tub on its own bottom. And that creates a real problem during crisis coordination. Uh, and so, as Yeager said, you know, the swaps are, are 
kind of the frontier, but that's not even coordination so much as uh, the Federal Reserve acting as um, kind of a, a, a currency market maker of last resort for, the, for uh, many of the, of the world's leading economies. We're joined by Peter Conti Brown of the Wharton School, Yair Listikin uh, of Yale University. Well, Peter, then your expectation uh, of of the Fed moving forward? Uh, they've made these moves. Are they basically kind of in a stand in watch mode to just to be there if if they are needed moving forward? Well, they are buying and selling quite furiously right now. Okay. Uh, you know, they announced uh, the, the what you mentioned about uh, supporting the primary dealer facility using 13.3 to open you know, emergency lending to support primary dealers. Uh, you know, I think they announced a trillion and a half, 300 uh, for many months. And within days, they've already bought up about $300 billion. Um, so no, things are moving fast and furious. This wasn't simply um, the crisis might come. These facilities are open. Should we need them? It is the crisis is here yep. where and how it ends. We don't know. The Fed is going to use its balance sheet aggressively. It's already doing it. Yeah, here your thoughts. Just, just to give everyone a sense of uh, of the scale of this. So Peter mentioned 1.5 trillion uh, in the primary dealer uh, facility. The Fed right now, I think, has between four and four and a half trillion dollars of assets on its balance sheet. Uh, so just in this one program, you know, at least at its max would be. Just in that, you know, 25% of a 25% expansion of the balance sheet. That's not including what I think we should call QE4, uh, yeah. buying treasuries, et cetera, et cetera. So there really is a massive balance sheet expansion. We have no idea what the commercial paper and money market uh, uh, facilities will do, but that could be large as well. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time today. Peter, all the best. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you. Peter Connie Brown from here at the Wharton School, Yair Listikin from Yale University. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.